The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on Sirius XM Triumph, Channel 132. The search is still on tonight for three-year-old Mariah Woods. The girl was last seen by her mother, her home in Onslow County. The mother tells me she last saw her daughter in the home at around 11 p.m. when she checked on her. This is my world. This is my angel. She said her boyfriend saw the toddler around midnight when he got up, and she says he told her to go back to bed. Remains believed to be the little girl were discovered along a highway. Now there's an arrest. 32-year-old Earl Kemry, Mariah's mother's boyfriend, no one is charged with causing her death. Kemry's charges only include concealing a death and obstruction of justice. More charges likely to follow and maybe others charged. We are not ruling anything out. I will never forget the search for little Mariah Woods, who apparently goes missing from her home as her mom and boyfriend are asleep. The three-year-old was nowhere to be found. In the last hours, we obtain the 911 call. Listen. And tell me exactly what happened. <laughs> no to be found. We would look everywhere in our house, in our, in our yard, in our little girl. Our little girl, she's missing. Okay, how old is she, sir? 
she's three years old. Okay, so let me get some information from you, okay? Yes, ma'am. All right, so when was the last time you seen her? We went to bed last night. Everyone went to bed at the same time. And what time is that, sir? Uh, maybe 8 o'clock, 8.30. All right, let's get this information in the system. And you looked in the bedroom, under the bed, and everywhere, sir? Not able to. Everyone's closets under, and every, everywhere we looked at the house, two or three times. Okay. In the yard. It's not like her to do it to go outside at all. But not, not, by her, not in the middle of the night or in the morning by herself. Yes, I know. Does she have a physical, medical, or mental condition we need to be aware of? She, she, has, muscle, she has muscular dystrophy. Uh, she, she's it. She goes down a lot of shit. But otherwise, she's, she's perfectly able. Okay. Joining me right now, in addition to Joe Scott Morgan of Jacksonville State University, Karen Stark, New York psychologist, and renowned L.A. defense attorney Troy Slayton is investigative reporter with the Jacksonville Daily News, Mike McHugh. Mike, tell me the latest first. Thank you for being with us. And now what do we know in the disappearance of Mariah Woods? Well, what we know now is that at uh, 6.26 a.m. on November 27th, uh, Earl Kimry made a call to the Onslow County Emergency 911 Center stating that the little girl who lived in his trailer, um, Mariah Woods, is missing. And we listened to a 911 call that uh, goes for more than six minutes. And we hear uh, Mr. Kimry speaking, and he sounds as if he's very winded as he's talking to the operator who's trying to ascertain what exactly uh, is going on out at uh, Dawson Cabin Road. And he repeats repeatedly that uh, we've, searched the, we've searched the inside of the house several times and the yard itself, and we cannot find her. Our little girl is missing. You know, it just it, it just turns my stomach to hear it, Mike McHugh, because we know that police say he, boyfriend Earl Kimry II, knew very well where Mariah was at that at that time. That she was dead yeah. and lying face down in a creek a couple of miles from home. She couldn't possibly have gotten there on her own. And you hear in the nine one one call, he says, "quote They've looked everywhere." for her and they've checked in the house quote two or three times and the yard you can hear him saying our three-year-old is nowhere to be found we've looked everywhere in our house and out in our yard and our little girl she's missing right now mike McHugh, i'm looking at a photo of mariah and this is the one i will forever associate with her in a pink dress-up dress fluffy dress and little fake drop earrings, her hair pulled back with a pink tiara and a bow on it, uh, like from a package, a big pink bow. And she has her baby doll dressed in pink with a pink headband, and she's feeding the baby doll with a pink bottle. This is how I think of Mariah Woods. I don't want to think of her face down in a creek dead. And now the 911 call emerges. I mean, the depth of deception, Mike McHugh. Yeah, and let me expand on what you just said there, there, Nancy, too, that this, this uh, the, the, the area in which Mariah was found, it was not just around the corner from their home. It was 21 miles from their home. And the only uh, source of transportation this family had was the 1999 van, which was later uh, seized uh, under search warrant. 
Mr. Kimry sounds very uh, exhausted um, and uh, very excited in that 911 tape. But like you said, knowing now what we do know, um, he had a very busy, uh, it sounds as though he had allegedly a very busy uh, morning, uh, late evening uh, on the 26th and 27th of November, because that's where the body was uh, was taken down the Shaw Highway in Pender County, the neighboring county from Onslow County. Um, you talk about all of the, uh, the the images you see there and describe it in the pink color. Looking at um, the items that were seized from the house, uh, we see a pink pajama, we see a pink blanket, we see pink and blue pillows, we see pink fitted sheets. Mariah's favorite color, obviously, was pink. You know, when you say that, it just it just kills me because um, Troy, Karen, Joe Scott, I, I, you know, my my children, they're now ten, and I remember Lucy's favorite color I think was pink but she insisted that it was purple so she could be different and everything was pink and purple Joe Scott Morgan you have seen so many dead bodies and that includes the bodies of children as have I and to hear Mike McHugh talking about her favorite color and now she's in a coffin and we're looking at a death penalty trial, Joe Scott. How are they going to prove it? Well, uh, one of the big things here, Nancy, is going to be toxicology in this particular case because they've they've listed this as as uh, as she had toxic levels of uh, of chloroform in her system. And as you know, and maybe some of our listeners don't, when we do uh, when we draw blood in the morgue. We do a standard panel for things that we look for. Chloroform form is not one of them. Uh, so I think that the police are going to have a tremendous amount of evidence, physical evidence they recovered at the scene, uh, evidence of chloroform or the ability to make chloroform. Uh, it probably made them scratch their heads in the beginning. And then when they couple that with what they saw at autopsy and these chemical tests, this little girl suffered, Nancy. It's a horrible way to die. Um, it's a neurotoxin. Um, and in addition to that, it caused her, uh, it caused her liver to go into acute failure. And this is a horrible way to die. We're talking about vomiting, severe headaches, um, probably seizures as well. And the depth of depravity here, uh, that, that this, this guy engaged in with this little girl and other things that have come up in the past that we've talked about with her. Um, I think that they're not going to have a real hard time in court with this. You know, uh, just listening to him speak, Mike McHugh, it is now definitely going to be a death penalty prosecution. Is that correct? Absolutely. Um, we had a, um, a Rule 24 hearing on Monday this week, and um, in that, uh, the district attorney, Ernie Lee, um, told the court that his uh, office was pursuing this as a capital case. In North Carolina, um, the district attorneys have 11 aggravating circumstances from which to choose uh, to go forward with a capital case. Uh, they're by statute, um, and I'm looking at it right now, and uh, uh, on yeah, number nine is murder that was especially heinous, atrocious, or cruel. That's how it's written. And I think this case, given what we know so far, um, would fit that criteria. Uh, District Attorney Ernie Lee has been doing this. Uh, he's been a prosecutor for 31 years, eight of which as the elected official as district attorney. He's uh, handled eight capital cases 
and he's come away with four um, death sentences in his uh, tenure as prosecutor. So this is not his first time around around the block. And Mike, for those of us who are not lawyers or journalists in North Carolina, in that state, a Rule 24 hearing is before a judge in a first-degree murder case where the state will say if it's seeking the death penalty, and in this case, they said yes. Absolutely. Um, and they are moving fast on this. Uh, this, you know, Kimry was arrested on, or was charged on January 24th with the murder, and he went, uh, his case went before the grand jury on February 13th, and a day or so later, uh, Mr. Lee came out uh, telling in a press release that he was seeking the death penalty. This, this is moving very quickly. Kimry will be back in court on uh, April 23rd, um, where counsel will be there just to, to uh, make sure that everybody is on board and moving forward. There's talk um, in the court and on the street um, with other people close to the case that perhaps a venue change is in store because of all of the publicity that this case has garnered uh, thus far. But um, people are, are, are talking about um, – we had a press conference with the sheriff, uh, Sheriff Hans Miller, after the uh, Rule 24 hearing, and he said that, quote, um, the case is now in the uh, judicial world. Um, let the attorneys battle it out there. But then he went on to say that this is an ongoing investigation, uh, leaving the door open for possible future charges. And that's always something that everybody has been talking about. What will happen with uh, Christy Wood, Mariah's mother? Will she be charged in any way? Well, with this as case? a matter of fact, that was my very next question. Did the mother, little Mariah's mother, know what was going on in that home? According to Mariah's biological father, she did. Is that true? Listen to her mother begging for Mariah, her three-year-old little girl's return. Please bring her back, and I love her. I'll do anything that I can, whatever you want. Just bring her home, please, safe and sound. She's my baby. She's my everything. What does she mean to you and your family in this community? <laughs> She's like an angel, I had my tooth tied and burnt. On each side, I found out I was pregnant with her. So we call her our little angel. She's got the personality of make you laugh. She's goofy, outgoing, talkative. She knows how to make your day brighter. A lot to this community and people that are here looking for her, love her to death. What would it mean to you to see her face again? everything in the world just to be able to touch her and hold her not let her go again I give anything pack to Onslow County Sheriff Department please and let us know and if whoever has her please I'm begging you bring her home safe to Troy Slayton LA defense attorney joining us do you predict charges on Mariah's mother or will she be held as a witness for the prosecution in a death penalty case against her boyfriend? Nancy, first, let me say that my, my heart breaks for the family of this little girl and everybody involved, uh, whether the death penalty is sought against him, whether charges are brought against the mother, uh, this is a, a tragedy. But as far as the mother the prosecutor knows what they know at this point, and they may very well, for tactical reasons, be waiting to charge her in order to try and get information from her to help with their main prosecution, which is the death penalty case uh, against this guy. 
And it seems to me that with regard to the death penalty, his defense attorneys are going to be trying to save his life. And once the death penalty is on the table, the, the whole shift in focus uh, in the defense case becomes trying to save the person's life. Well, speaking of the biological father, Alex Woods, this is what he tells me. This was just after his little girl's body had been found. Have they told you how they think she was killed, Alex? No, not yet. They, as soon as they found her body, they rushed her to Greenville, North Carolina, where they was going to perform the autopsy and uh, find out further information on how, when, why, all, you know, not why, but how and when and all that information. Alex, do they believe that Mariah was molested? I have not. I do not know that. Me thinking, I have. Yes, I think so. I hope and pray not, just for the peace of mind. But I think so. Yes, I have not heard that from nobody because you know they're now just doing the autopsy, so I don't know. Alex, was she clothed when she was found? I have no idea. They did not tell me. All they told me was that they found my baby girl. They found Mariah about 20 minutes away from where we're at, 20, 20, 25 minutes away from our home. Let me pause as we make our way through this maze of facts to thank our partner, Making our program on SiriusXM 132 possible, it's Legal Zoom, And you all know by now, small business, huge hot topic, National Small Business Month at LegalZoom is perfect timing. Whether you're just starting out or you already have a business, 2018 offers incredible opportunities, and this is why. There are new tax laws, including the biggest changes for business owners in the last 30 years. LegalZoom helps you understand what it means for you. LegalZoom is not a law firm. They are a nationwide network of independent lawyers and tax professionals to help you figure out all these new tax guidelines. Can they help you? Can they hurt you? Can you save money? That's what they can do for you and so much more. They will help you tap into the right resources to run your business using 16 years of experience to give business owners the tools to start and run their business the right way from the ground up. Over the next weeks, find out how LegalZoom can help you during National Small Business Month. Don't miss this. Check out LegalZoom.com today. Special savings if you enter code NANCY in the referral box at checkout. LegalZoom, where life meets legal. LegalZoom.com. LegalZoom, thank you for what you do for business owners, established and just starting out across the country every day. And thank you for being our partner here on Sirius XM 132. Judge, as to the Rule 24 pretrial conference, Your Honor, the state would contend that the, the state will be seeking the death penalty in this particular case. The state would contend there's at least one um, aggravating circumstance pursuant to 15A-2000. Therefore, that would make this case a capital case. Police say boyfriend Earl Kimry II knew very well Mariah was dead. Listen. 
Alright, so I need to get a description. What race is she? She's white, blonde hair. About, um, about three feet tall. Do you know how much she weighs? Uh, about 30 pounds. Okay, does she have any characteristics on her face, like scars or birthmarks, anything? Blue eyes. She's in her pajamas. Okay. And what kind of PJs did you put her in, sir? What color? Do you uh, remember? They were pink. Okay, and her name? Her name, her name is Mariah. Mariah? Woods. Last name Woods? Yes. Okay. All right, so, and who was the last person that you've seen her with? Um, um, the, the last part, me and my, me and my girlfriend put her, put her to bed right when we came in. We came in from a trip last night, and everybody went to bed at like 8.30 or 8, around that time. Okay. I can't say for sure, because we usually go to bed at 7.30, but we're coming home from vacation. Okay. And do you know anywhere that she might go at all, a neighbor's or anywhere? You know, we, we don't, we haven't lived here very long. We don't have any, any neighbors that are, are friendly. Okay. Has she been missing before, sir? No, no, ma'am. Okay. Did you see any personal items taken, like a blanket or a teddy bear that she might have? What? You said this is You said this is Yeah, no, nothing. She said, 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 so you're fading out, sir. Hello. Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. Now what were you saying? She said that the pajamas she put her to bed in are laying beside her bed. Okay. So she's not in the pink pajamas. They're pink footy pajamas. I can't recall exactly what she weighed to bed in because I didn't dress her. Okay. You sit down on the floor. Yes, sir, on the floor in her room. And does she have any kind of trackable device with her, sir? Like a tablet or anything that we can track GPS? No. And who has legal custody, sir? Uh, her mother, Christy Woods. Is that with a K or a C? With a K. Okay. Now, was there any letters or anything left behind? Do you think anyone No, uh, nothing. Okay. Nothing. It's just empty, 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 empty room. Okay. And may I have your name, sir? My name is Adolphus Simmons. I'm sorry. You said your first name is... You're, you're fading out again, sir. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Hey. And you said your name is? Miss Kimry. Kimry? Yes, K-I-M-R-E-Y. To Karen Stark, New York psychologist, 
whether the mom knew about alleged molestation or drugs in the home or not remains to be seen. But, I mean, practically speaking, how could she not know, Karen? It's hard to believe that she didn't know. But then again, Nancy, we all have trouble wrapping our minds around the fact that she would have allowed this to go on with awareness that her daughter was being subjected to the stepfather. And we find in many cases like this that the women are so desperate to hang on to the men that they're with that they actually bargain away their children to keep the relationships. They have no sense of their own worth and don't have the kind of motherly instincts that we would normally believe any mother would have, as you were talking about. Joe Scott Morgan, weigh in. Yeah, you know, I'm, I've never been, I'm, I'm always raise an eyebrow. Anytime I hear people say, the boyfriend is in the house, the boyfriend is in the house, and anytime I work a homicide and there is, uh, you know, our, our awareness is already raised anytime you have a, a death within the family toward other family members. But you start talking about these other peripherals, I'll put it, that come into the environment. This kid, this, this guy, this man, didn't have any interest in this child, the well-being of the child. And, to, uh, and that extends, I think, obviously, to the mother in this case as well. She had no interest in the in the welfare of this child. If she did, she wouldn't bring this type of person into this environment with this little angel. You know, you were talking about her her dressing up. Nancy, I got I got two girls. You know, I see her and I see this horrible world that she lives in. She probably had escaped into this fantasy world, wearing her dresses, thinking she's a princess, and then right down the hall is this monster that's living in the house with them. Now, let's go now to Sheriff Hans Miller speaking to reporters. The autopsy, the toxicology mm-hmm. reports show that she died from chloroform, toxicity, chloroform. How can you explain mm-hmm. how that happened mm-hmm. and how the suspect obtained chloroform? Well, there is much information that uh, is scientific in nature, obviously. We have to depend on what science tells us, but there is a lot of information that we cannot legally or should not put out. It will come out in court. Uh, We suspect that uh, this chemical was used to disable the child, and according to the autopsy report, it led to her death, which was really unfortunate, as we all know. At what point did that happen? Do you believe that that happened? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, again, the uh, details of the investigation. I know the answer, however, uh, that is something that needs to wait until it comes out to court. Uh, so the chemical uh, was the cause in the, uh, of death, and uh, let's wait and let's be patient until the court case, until we answer that question. Was there anything about how the suspect allegedly got that uh-huh. chemical chloroform? Uh, I am not able to answer that at this point. Will there be any more arrests? Uh-huh. Uh, well, arrests in our system of justice, an arrest is only made if probable cause is achieved. We have tried very actively to explore every lead, every, uh, every bit of evidence was used. And uh, 
At this point, we do not have any additional evidence that would lead to another arrest. That does not mean that this investigation is closed. That means that we're just not there to make another arrest at this point. Can you talk about how the mother, Christy Woods, has been uh, involved in helping with this investigation? Uh -huh. She has been cooperative. And uh, she has provided information uh, that led to uh, this investigation. And uh, again, to uh, re-answer the other question about any additional arrests, uh, this investigation is not over. However, we have to make sure that we have probable cause. Without probable cause, no arrest. Were there any visible signs of a sexual assault? Uh -huh. Well, again, that's going to be part of the court. And I, I don't, well, I understand that you want a lot more information. So uh, we ask, to, ask you to please respect us and uh, let that case come out in court. Let that information come out in court because we don't want to jeopardize the court case and we certainly do not want to poison the, the jury pool. We know where these sex abuse allegations came from. The brothers that lived there in the home, the older brothers of Mariah. Mike McHugh, what now? Well, like uh, uh, Sheriff Miller said, the uh, it's an ongoing investigation. They're still trying to uh, uncover more evidence. I spoke to Walter Paramore. Now, he's the defense attorney for uh, Mr. Kimmery. He's court appointed. And uh, he told me on the sidewalk outside the district attorney's office uh, moments before the Rule 24 hearing was to uh, take place, I asked him, I said, do you expect uh, more charges? Do you, could you see uh, Christy Woods being charged? And he said rhetorically back to me, Mike, you're a smart guy. Think about it. They live in a 70-foot single-wide trailer. Uh, she didn't know what was going on in that house. What we need, what the, what the, what the prosecutor needs and what the investigators need is probable cause. But you could come up with perhaps aiding and abetting or obstruction of justice right off the top of your head and try to apply that to her. So I don't think it's over as far as it goes with, with the mother in this incident um, because they, they were admittedly all there at the same time when they got back from their trip from Raleigh on November 26th and went to bed sometime, they're saying, between 8 and 8.30. Um, so yeah, I, I'm sure that's what investigators are continuing to focus on. We asked uh, Hans Miller in the press conference after the Rule 24 hearing if um, Christy Woods was still cooperating as she was supposedly doing during the uh, uh, investigation on the week of November 27th. And um, he, he said that she was. We asked then, do you have a location where she's at? And he hedged on that one, answering it, well, if I say where she is now and she happened to move from that location, then it would be a false statement that I made. Um, I, we believe that she's in the area, though um, she hasn't been cited um, out, out um, you know, in, in the community. So um, to her location, we're not sure, but um, I'm sure investigators are still uh, focusing on her and trying to build probable cause and evidence. We'll see. Listen. Judge, in 18 CRS 50503, the defendant has been indicted as of February 13, 2018, by the Onslow County Grand Jury with first-degree murder. How does he plead? Please not guilty. Judge, in 18 CRS 50504, an indictment returned by the Onslow County Grand Jury on excuse me, February 13, 2018. How does he plead to the offense of felony child abuse inflicting serious bodily injury? Not guilty. In 17 CRS 57545, true bill of indictment returned by the Onslow County Grand Jury on February the 13th, 2018. It's a three-count indictment. 
First count is for felony second degree burglary. Second count, felony larceny. Third count, felony possession of stolen property. Has he pleaded those counts? Your Honor, to each and every count enumerated by Mr. Lee, terms of plea, not guilty. In 17 CRS 57544, a true bill of his indictment was returned by the Onslow County Grand Jury on February the 13th of 2018. It's a two count indictment. Those offenses are felony, common law, obstruction of justice, and felony concealment of a debt. Has he pleaded those counts? Your Honor, each of the two charges enumerated by the police and not guilty. We are waiting and watching the case, hoping that justice will unfold. A 19-year-old University of South Carolina girl is dead. But why? Straight out to Larry Maher, Crime Stories investigative reporter. So far, we know that a South Carolina so-called sorority girl, just 19 years old, is dead. 19-year-old Rachel Bandman, who goes to University of South Carolina in Columbia, found dead. Now, very, very unusual set of circumstances. First of all, Larry Maher, how was she found? Her roommate found her dead in her off-campus apartment. That's right. You know, you think you would be safe just five blocks from campus, right? Um, Officials initially ruled the Chi Omega sorority sister's death suspicious, not really understanding what had happened. But then everything changed. Larry Maher, what did they determine was her cause of death? It was determined that she died of an overdose of the opioid Oxycodone. With me, Dr. William Maroney, medical examiner and author of a bestseller now on Amazon, American Narcan. Also with us, George Skiro, forensics expert. You know, Dr. William Maroney, we, we know that this young sorority girl had one Oxycontin pill too many for her small frame. But why would that lead? Why would police be led to a criminal investigation? What about the scene made them suspicious? When they look at the scene, you have to decide how she took the medicine. And if she took the medicine with the assistance of another person, then that is when an accident can become a homicide. In our local community, a husband and wife injected each other with methadone and that's very different than just having it on the table and taking it when the husband died because the wife injected the husband she was charged with homicide because number one it's a dangerous activity number two it's a dangerous drug and there's something about how the medicine was administered and when people take these drugs orally they have to take a lot of them So you're taking an abnormal amount to get what you want. Sometimes they crush them and snort them. Sometimes they crush them and dilute them and inject them. And every time you break down, dilute them with with water to inject them. But if you break the formulation down to use it in a way that it's not meant to be used, that's premeditation. An accident is... Uh, I have arthritis. I take it for arthritis. Something happened and I died, but I was taking it from my arthritis. 
if it's an illegal activity, these are non-medical uses, that is somebody coming in, and this you're going to see this from the federal government more than ever before. They're going to hold the sellers and the dealers accountable for the death of the people from these drugs because these people are addicted now. Their brains are hijacked. And the Harrison Narcotic Act of 1914 makes it illegal to give any addict an opiate, knowing that they're addicted. This young girl, a public relations major at USC, a Chi Omega sorority sister from Virginia, was actually found dead by her roommate. They lived at Main Street's Hub apartment complex. And this all went down on a typical weekday afternoon. This girl, Rachel Bandman, just 19 years old, likely injected with a fatal dose of drugs. And we are talking about over-the-counter, we are talking about prescription drugs, prescriptions signed typically by a doctor, OxyContin, a painkiller. Now, I'm curious about the location, the downtown hub, high-rise apartments, who else lived there? Is there surveillance video? Why is this deemed a homicide versus an accidental overdose? What about it made police suspicious? Oxycodone, Oxycontin. Dr. William Maroney, it is a an epidemic right now in our country. And now we've got yet another teen girl casualty. The crisis is bigger than you could possibly imagine. And all of these misuse of prescriptions is leading to increased heroin use. In her case, if her dealer was setting her up to give her more and give her more, he was setting her up to transfer her off of something else to get her into heroin. If this can be proven, if he's breaking and crushing tablets that are never meant to be break, broken, if he's contributing to that, it's it's very different. Non-medical. I mean, how do I know somebody didn't just say, hey, try one of these. Uh, you'll love it. It'll make you feel good. And then she dies, Dr. Maroney. Well, you don't know that. But as soon as they change it from accident to homicide, his contributing role has a much higher percentage in an activity that directly related to something he alone could do and breaking the formulation so that this could be abused or injecting it or helping her learn how to snort it. There's evidence there that shows he was involved and that's why it's now homicide. Question, why, why would it would it have a greater impact on someone of her youth and slight frame? I'm talking about a 19-year-old sorority girl um, found dead in her off-campus apartment of oxycodone. Oxycodone or oxycontin is a painkiller typically prescribed by doctors very, very widely. But as a matter of fact, oxycodone, a powerful narcotic prescription drug that is being used more and more for, as they say, recreational use. It gives you an illegal, quote, high 
It is one of the most popular illegally used drugs in the country and is responsible for literally countless deaths. Until this hearing that has just gone down, Bandman's cause of death had not been publicly announced. After her death, law enforcement reported no signs of trauma and no forced entry into her room. To you, George Skiro, you're the forensics expert. What does that mean to you? No trauma on her body and no forced entry into her off-campus apartment. Well, that indicates to me that an intruder wasn't involved or someone forcibly perhaps made her take, take the drugs. Um, what the investigators probably looked for, they looked for probably... Um, to see what other types of medications she may have had in, in her apartment, whether there was any alcohol involved. Uh, but also, they probably began looking at, you know, where did she get these drugs? And were they obtained through a legal method or were they t- obtained uh, off the street somewhere? But it has now been classified as homicide, meaning she was deliberately killed. Deliberately killed. Now, a, a bizarre twist to Larry Maher, the hearing has just gone down in which her cause of death was publicly disclosed. What more do we know about the investigation? The prosecution has been kind of tight-lipped about the turn in the investigation from accident to homicide. The suspect is identified as 22-year-old Anthony Hunt, who lives in Columbia, South Carolina, and who at the time of his arrest was out on bail awaiting trial on another drug charge. He is the only person identified as being involved in this case other than the victim. However, investigators have let it be known that they believe the man charged in this case intentionally gave Rachel Bandman a dosage of oxycodone that he knew would kill her. Wow. How do you gauge that, Dr. William Maroney? This guy, Hunt, gave her a dose that he knew would kill her. And another warning, the Hub apartment high-rise where she lived is a very popular downtown apartment complex just a few blocks from the USC main campus. It's a 21-story tower housing about 850 USC students. And parents of those students better be worried because this killer, alleged killer, has been walking amongst their children. Go ahead. When you look at the intent of a Oxycontin 80 milligram, you have a steel worker, a guy who pours concrete. He blows a disc in his back. He can't get the surgery right away. He's got to go back to work. The doctor prescribes two or three of these 80 milligrams a day. And this is a 280, 290-pound steel worker, pushes concrete, drives a double-axle truck. You deliver that same product to a 105-pound sociology major. That's insane. You're inviting disaster. And if there's any other drugs involved that would make it more potent because a polypharmacy you're mixing things that's a lot more dangerous, or you're mixing it with alcohol, or you're changing the route of delivery from a simple oral system to breaking it to snort or in making a solution to inject, you're premeditatedly 
trying to break this and become much more active to force an abuse. The brain is hijacked. This person needs something. It's a chronic relapsing brain disease, and you're supplying something now that's deadly based on concentration or route of delivery. And that's why they would change from accident to homicide. And so many people, Dr. Maroney, don't think they're, quote, doing drugs when they use a prescription pill. They think that is somehow safer than doing heroin or cocaine. But it's just as deadly. There really is no difference between Oxycontin and heroin. Almost chemically, they're, they're almost the same. Nancy, the devastation caused by the opioid epidemic in South Carolina is so large. In fact, Governor Henry McMaster outlined it in his State of the State address recently. Another threat that we face comes in pill form. It's hardly recognized by most people. The opioid epidemic is affecting every state in the country. You've read about it. But it's not a typical crime problem. This is a crisis born of human pain and suffering. This is something different. This is something we have not seen before. 54% of the pills on the street come from your neighbor's medicine cabinet in an unused prescription of too many pills. For the last three years, we've had more opioid-related deaths in South Carolina than homicides and drunk driving deaths combined. In 2016, this silent hurricane killed 616 people in our state. And it's not just the pills. Addictions intensify from one substance to another. From 2014 to 2015, right here, heroin deaths increased 67%. Since 2015, SLED has seen a more than 700% increase in the number of drug cases involving fentanyl-related compounds. We must take a strong, new, bold approach to this unprecedented threat. It consists of what I call a full court press, including awareness, information, and treatment. Last month, I declared a statewide public health emergency in South Carolina because of opioids. This allows us to bring the full power of the state's emergency management infrastructure, healthcare apparatus, and law enforcement resources to bear as a single team upon the growing epidemic of opioid deaths, addiction, and abuse. A comprehensive informational website has been established. Doctors are now warning their patients that opioids which make the procedure pain-free may also make the patient an addict. Usually five days worth of pills is all it takes to produce an addict. Disposal protocols are being established. Our task force is scouring the country for ideas work. Ladies and gentlemen, this is something on which we must get busy. We must solve this crisis in South Carolina. Why? A 19-year-old University of South Carolina girl is dead. The investigation goes on. Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn Nicotine Pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. 
Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.